Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. I sure do appreciate the, the sound guys, Brother Adam, Brother Patrick, Brother Robbie helped out uh, this morning. And uh, just, you know, Brother Z has been heavily invested in that, and, and he's gone today, and, and just, it's not missing a beat. And I'm thankful for that, thankful for that effort that goes into that. And uh, so, just so thankful for all the work that you do and all the ways that you're involved. So this morning, we dealt with the life of Saul in preparation for this week of missions conference, asking God to prepare our hearts to be revived about missions or whatever it is that he would want to work in us concerning. And we dealt with Saul, how in chapter 15, after he disobeyed God's command to completely destroy the Amalekites, how he he wanted to use the public worship with Samuel to conceal the private areas of disobedience. So he had the public motion, but he was missing the private substance, the private matter. He was missing the spiritual life. That's not, that is not an indictment of the public motion. It's not an indictment of the public motion. It's a statement that the public motion should be a result of a private walk with God. It should not be used to cover up a lack of a private walk with God. And so that's what, we, that's what we dealt this morning. Tonight, we want to talk about Enoch. And just a really simple thought. And the idea, the title is this, Walk with God. So Genesis 5, verse 21. And Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Would you pray with me, and then you can be seated. Father, thanks for the time. Already it's been a great service. So thankful for your people. I pray that you would bless uh, the time in your word now. Help us to be open, responsive to it. Help me, God, to communicate accurately and clearly and be glorified through the effort in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. There are a couple of fascinating facts about Enoch that stand out immediately. First of all, it's how long the guy lived. The text tells us that he lived 365 years. Now, in comparison to how long dudes were living in that day, he was an infant. He was just a youngin, as they say. Okay, y'all aren't enjoying this, but that's okay. But compared to today, man, wow. In fact, I think about it this way. If they had a vitamin that could guarantee triple digits, I'd be taking it, people. <laughs> I don't care where I have to buy it. <laughs> I would take such vitamin, and I don't care who was selling it. I would take that vitamin. You say, listen, you take this vitamin every week, you take this vitamin every day, you will live a minimum of 300 years. I'm down with that. If there's an essential oil that'll do that, I'll dap that stuff on my forehead. I'll rub it in. 365 years? Man, that'd be something out. I've heard, I've heard people, I don't know what they're trying to do, why this is, but man, I wouldn't want to live that long. You're yeah, right. Man, that'd be awesome. You're in 65 years of mountain biking. You're in 65 years of being married to Andrea. Y'all think eight kids is a lot. 
man. Three hundred three man be get to be the pastor of West Valley for thirty years. How about for three hundred years? Man, this is fun. I'm, okay, again, I just, I'd like to live that long. So that's the that's the first thing that's really notable about that. You know, just from a serious perspective, people can people can question or be critical of or mock what is unfamiliar to them or what they don't understand. There are actually scientific reasons uh, before the flood why people were able to live that long, and those things have been studied out. We won't get into all of that, but I don't, I don't need the scientific evidence to believe the Word of God, and, and either we believe it's the Word of God and we believe what it says, or we don't, and so uh, they lived a long time back then. That has since changed, and what's stated later in Scripture is that 70 years is kind of the standard, and if you live more than that, then it's a blessing of God. But we understand nothing's guaranteed in any of that. So the first thing we notice about him is the length of his life. The second thing we notice about him is how he left earth. It says in verse 23, at the end of it, and he was not, for God took him. I, I find this fascinating for a couple of reasons. Number one, just trying to imagine what that was like in that day. <laughs> like, hey, Enoch, where'd he go? <laughs> Man, you talk about a wicked game of hide and seek. <laughs> okay, kids, count to 30 and come find me. We've been looking for 200 years and we still Okay, I'm being ridiculous. I'm sorry. It, God, it, God supernaturally intervened and took him and circumventing the, the consequence of the natural consequence of sin, which is physical death. He was living in his life. And then after 365 years at a specific moment in the time of his life, God took him from this earth. You say, well, where did he go? He went to be with God. And so God took him from where he was, and God took him to be with him, and he circumvented the process of death. Now, there's a term that we are very familiar with as New Testament saints. It's not mentioned by name in Scripture, but the idea is given. And I believe that this example of Enoch gives indication of the validity of this teaching, and that is the teaching of the rapture of the saints of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what, here's what we believe. I'm not, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to fight with anybody about this. I will be happy to discuss it. But the official position of West Valley and my personal conviction is that the saints of the Lord Jesus Christ will be raptured out before the Great Tribulation. Now, there's a couple of reasons that I believe that. I'm not going into great detail tonight, but just so you understand why I, what I'm thinking and why. Number one, the, the great tribulation does not mean there isn't other tribulation. And so people say, well, the saints can experience tribulation. And absolutely, they can, they have, and I believe that they will. And today, Americans live a very, a, a very sheltered life. American Christians live a very sheltered life from the persecution that believers in other countries and other regions are facing. But I believe there are great indications that it is on its way here. 
Now, I, I, I don't want that to be the case, but I do believe that tribulation is possible and that it can be very severe and that will, God will allow his, his churches, that God will allow his children to go through that. I, I am convinced of that. But the great tribulation has two purposes. It is to deal with an unbelieving world and to deal with the nation of Israel. And the, the saints of Jesus Christ have nothing to do with that. And we have not been, the scripture tells us, we have not been appointed unto wrath. I'm getting into a whole lot of theology here. I might need to, we'll, the Lord willing, we'll deal with this at another time. we we'll deal with it more thoroughly from scripture. I'll be happy to answer any questions or concerns if you have them. But there will be people, I believe this from scripture, there will be people that will be saved during the great tribulation period. You know, there will be the 144,000 witnesses. I'm starting to make a joke, and I don't need to. And they are all from Israel. They're not from things around here. They are all from Israel. And they will preach the gospel. And people who've not heard will hear and will believe on the Lord. And then Jesus Christ will come and he will deal in great wrath with the world that is following the Antichrist and is at war with him. And Jesus will be coming on that white horse and the saints will be riding with him, hallelujah. And then we'll go on. And I believe that Enoch demonstrates the possibility of, and, the, and the ability of God taking away his children before the catastrophic flood or the catastrophic great tribulation that is dealt with in Israel. Okay, so there's that. But that's not really the point. You have these two significant things that stand out, how old he was, how long he lived, and then how he left earth. And those two things can take all of our attention. But I don't believe that's the most significant thing about Enoch in this text. Here's why. Reality is we really have very little control over either. We can do some things to contribute to how long we live. But it is appointed unto men once to die. And no matter how hard we try, eventually I'm going to arrive at the date God has determined for me to die. And it doesn't matter how healthy I try to be. It doesn't matter how careful I am. I will die. And, it, and whenever the catching away of the saints occurs, I have no control over that. And any clown, that's rude, any fool... That's biblical. <laughs> Any fool who tells you they know when Jesus is coming, they are lying. Because the Bible says we don't know. See, whoa, 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 what, what, about, what about the signs? What about, what, what about these signs? Don't worry about it. You got all you need to be worried about in the Bible right here. Just do that. We have no control over those things. It's amazing how much of our time is devoted to things we cannot control as Christians. But there's one thing here that he could control. And it's mentioned twice. Enoch, his name means dedicated. His son Methuselah, who is known as having lived the longest on record, his son Methuselah, was born when Enoch was 65. He lived for another 300 years before God took him. But it's around the birth of Methuselah that Enoch made the most significant decision of his life. 
the wording of the text leads me to indicate or leads me to believe that Enoch didn't wasn't just born following God. Okay, when you're witnessing to people, if someone tells you, well, I've always been saved. No, you haven't. You can't be. It's a decision that you have to make to accept what he has done for you. And so the text seems to give indication that he lived these first 65 years and and then at this moment, this amazing thing happened that his son Enoch, or his son Methuselah, excuse me, was born and other children were born after them. But then somehow, some way through the teaching of his parents and his grandparents and through the examples of them, that he was aware of God, not just aware of God, but aware of God's interest in his life, aware of his separation from God, and aware of God's desire to have a relationship with him, and aware that God was interested in and available to him. And so the text says that there was a decision, there was a conscious decision made on the part of Enoch to walk with God. Now the fact that it doesn't say this about other people doesn't mean they didn't do it, but in a life of very unique qualities of living a long time and of how you leave the earth, the most significant characteristic that's mentioned twice is this one thing that he controlled. He chose to walk with God. Now we've all heard this idea of walking with God, but let's be honest, how many of you, you hear somebody, you hear a pastor, you hear somebody else talk about, man, we, we just need to walk with God, amen. Like, okay, but, but what does that mean? Now, I've asked that. I say it, and then I'm thinking while I'm saying it, man, what, what are these p- people supposed to think about that? Well, it, it's hard to find one definition because it, it honestly involves more than just one thing. Number one, it involves salvation. It involves you coming to a moment in your life where you understand, I'm a sinner separated from God. I can do nothing to redeem myself. Jesus Christ did everything, and I'm going to put my faith and trust in him, and he will immediately forgive me of my sins. And it's like I was talking to Miss Bohan, and she had an opportunity to be a witness to a lady, and the lady asked her, well, do you have, do you, have you been filled with the Spirit? And Miss Bohannon was like, hallelujah, when I trusted Jesus, I got all of God, Amen. No, it's okay to be happy about that. We do have the Spirit of God in us. Jesus said he would send another comforter. And man, that's good stuff. So we have the Spirit. It's salvation. It's coming into a relationship with him. Number two, it's just being aware of him. Isn't it amazing how easy it is to not be aware of God on a daily basis? See the sunrise, see the sunset. You enjoy your family. You work a job. You enjoy the blessings. You live in this country. And we can go for hours, sometimes days, without ever thinking about God and the benefits that he gives to us on a daily basis. It's choosing. It's disciplining our minds to be aware of him. Number two or three, it's, it's an effort to be in pursuit of him. I just wish I knew how to pursue God. Well, there's two obvious ways he's given us. Number one, we pray. Come boldly before the throne of grace. You obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. We can go to him as many times a day as we want to. And he's interested in every time. And then we have his word. And brothers and sisters, I believe this, that what God has said, he is still saying. This is a timeless book. And it's relevant even in this day. And we pursue him by our time in his word. It's making the decision to be in submission to him. 
living our lives according to his dictates. Um, I'll bring this out and uh, mention this again in just a, a few minutes. But remember um, that Enoch was the father of Methuselah. Methuselah was the father of Lamech. And Lamech was the father of Noah. And in Noah's day, it was really, really bad. It didn't all of a sudden get really bad in Noah's day. With every generation, in fact, with the first generation, Adam and Eve, rebellion, Cain and Abel, murder, disobedience, and then murder. And so you see the, the outworking of sinful nature in humans expressing itself. And then as more and more people are born, the behavior of people gets worse and worse. And by the time you arrive at Noah, Noah finds grace. And there is opportunity for others to repent during all of those centuries that he was, or all those years that he was building the ark. And people could turn to God and yet they didn't. And there was obviously mocking that was going on. And so God dealt with it in Noah's day, but it was already on its way in Lamech's day, or excuse me, in Enoch's day, and yet he chose to live a life that was in submission to God. I'm going to, on purpose, do what I know God expects of me. It means to be in service to, living our lives to love others and to do his work. Hebrews 11.5 gives us this summary about Enoch. For before his translation, he had this testimony, are you ready, that he pleased God. So maybe we can summarize it this, walking with God this way. To walk with God means this, to live my life in a way that is pleasing to God. Well, I just don't know how to do that. Well, Jesus told us this, love God and love others. And then when you have those two commandments established and you understand that Jesus has something to say about how those are, how those are lived out, then, it will be, then you'll get to this point that pleasing God really isn't that complicated. Can it be challenging? Yes. But living in a way to please him is not, he never intended it for, never intended for it to be hard to understand. It's just challenging because of our nature and because of the wickedness and the opposition and the different direction of culture that we're surrounded by. But Enoch lived his life in a way that he pleased God. His walk was satisfying to God. He lived out life that, would, that God would approve of, and he lived life in a way that he was known for devotion. He was known for devotion to God. A.W. Tozer said this, the scriptures are trying to assure us that if Enoch could live and walk with God by faith in the midst of his sinful generation, we likewise should be able to follow his example because the human race is the same and God is the same. Oh, this is happy truth. We act like sometimes that it's harder for us than it's ever been because we have cell phones. Is it more challenging or different challenging because of technology and all the corruption that can come through that? Can that be challenging in a different way? Yes, it can. But people have always had wicked lust. People have always had evil hearts since the rebellion of Adam and Eve against the command of God. And therefore, human nature has always been what it has since Adam and Eve diso or excuse me, since Adam disobeyed God. But God has always been what he is. What he was is what he is today. And it's not as though we have less access to him. It's not as though we have less opportunity. If it was possible in that day, it's possible in this day. 
what Enoch did and what countless others of the children of God have done is possible for you to do because God is the same. And so this is the challenge tonight. If only one thing can be said about your life, if you can at the end of your life only be known for one thing, then let it be this, that she or that he walked with God, that that woman, that man, that father, that mother, that husband, that wife, that single man, that single woman, that teenage young man, that teenage young lady, whatever your occupation, whatever your passions, whatever your personal hobbies and interests, let the most defining characteristic of your life be this, that they walked with God. It was obvious that God mattered to them. And it was obvious that in all of the ways they lived their life, their greatest desire was to live in a way that pleased him. They loved people, they cared about people, but their greatest passion wasn't to please people, it was to live in a way to please the almighty God and the Lord Jesus Christ who died and saved them. If you can just be known for one thing, be known for this, that you walked with God. Now here's why I think that matters. There's a number of reasons, but this is what I want to emphasize to you tonight. Out of these three things, the only thing that you can control in your life that will affect all the other things that matter is your walk with God. Now, I'm I'm not saying there aren't other things that matter. I know this. If I walk with God the way I should, I'm going to be a good husband to my wife. Come on, please get it. If I walk with God the way I should, I'm going to be a good dad to that young man. I'm trying to find the rest of them, I can't. I had a contact on Inside Out this morning. (sighs) Hurt all day and then Andrea fixed it for me. What is my problem? (laughs) I'll be a good dad if I walk with God. It's gonna help me be the right kind of pastor. You You know what will keep me from being a statistic? that is increasing of pastors and ministry leaders who go astray, you know what will help prevent that? If I walk with God. You know, help me be a good American if I walk with God. You know, help me love people and minister to them and be able to make a difference if I walk with God. You know, help me to have, oh, come on, get this. We need to hear this. You know what will help me to have the right political views? If I walk with God. Walk with him then the Bible says this about all sorts of things. He gives wisdom to his children that other people just don't have. You don't have to be an expert to have wisdom and insight. You have to have a relationship with the author of wisdom and the author of insight. And you can say, man, I really, I really want to be successful for the right reasons in this area. The thing, it's not the only thing that matters, but the thing that will help that, that helps everything, your walk with God. Your walk with God will help you run a business. Your walk with God, the right kind of relationship with God will help you be the right kind of employee. Young people, it'll help you at school. It'll help you in your your relationships. I was thinking about sports. I'm thankful um, uh, for the opportunities my kids have to be involved in athletics. My family, heavily involved in ministry, but also heavily involved in athletics. My mom's a very successful high school girls basketball coach. We loved sports. We've played sports. We continue to be involved in following and teaching my kids uh, 
just in our home, sports. I do, a, I do layup drills in the driveway, for crying out loud. A bunch of homeschoolers out there act like they're prepping for the NBA finals or something. I mean, we, we like sports, but recognizing that if God gives opportunity or avi- a, a, ability, the greatest thing a young man or a wo- young woman can be known for is not how good they are at a game that doesn't have eternal significance. It's how they walked with God in the heat of competition and that their demeanor was different than everyone else's demeanor. I'll never, I'll never forget this, young people. Look at me, eyeballs. I'll never, I'll never forget this. I, I had an opportunity as a starting point guard for two years to play in the state title game. Two years in a row. And what mattered to me most then was that we would win. And we didn't. I'll never, I'll never forget how I left the game for the last time. How angry I was. And how consumed I was with an outcome. And how frustrated I was and how it affected my behavior. And how much I would go back, not to change the outcome of the game, but to change the way I was an example to the rest of my team. In a moment of sadness that was real and frustration that I didn't live out Jesus Christ better. Young people, you walk with God, it'll help you in all of that. The one thing that will affect everything is your walk with God. So let me give you some thoughts and then we'll be done. Number one, walking with God is a decision that you make. If you don't do it, it's because you didn't choose to do it. It's because it wasn't your priority. He's a, brothers and sisters, he's available to us. I'm not, I'm not talking about our buddy. I'm not talking about a genie in a bottle. I am talking about the eternal, omnipotent, omniscient, the all-powerful, the all-knowing God has made himself available to every son and daughter of Adam. He, he wants to know, he wants you to know him. And you can have a deep and intimate relationship with him and you can enjoy him and you can tell him your fears and you can tell him your sorrows and you can weep to him and you can rejoice to him and you can enjoy everything that is good about him and you can come to him when you're struggling. You can come to him with your brokenness. You can come to him with your failure. You can come to him with your complaints and as a loving heavenly father, he will deal with you over and over again in mercy and in wisdom. But if we stand before God And in much of our life, there are these long absences of distance, of a lack of interest between us and God. It will not be the fault of our Heavenly Father. It will be because it didn't matter enough to us. If you're going to walk with Him, it's a decision you have to make. You have to make time for it. You have to give priority to it. You have to be willing to turn things off. You have to be willing to put things down. You have to be willing to say no to certain things so that you can say yes to him. It's a decision that you make. Number two, walking with God is possible in a wicked generation. Look, I get it. I get it. It's weird. We got some modern day Jezebels and Ahabs in this country. <laughs> make you uncomfortable? <laughs> like, I know, I know it's weird. I understand it, but it's always been weird since people sinned. It's weird with Cain and Abel. We can't even get one generation in before somebody's killing somebody. 
I'm not, I'm not being funny about that. We've got to stop acting like it's so hard to follow Jesus Christ. There's always been opposition to it. And if you want to walk with God, it's not, if you fail to walk with God, it's not because it was so bad, it just wasn't possible. It can be done. We can shine as a bright light. Matthew 5, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You don't have to be grumpy about masks. Either way, I've got opinions about them. Man, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you who because I didn't get permission. I don't think they would mind. But someone from here and I were at a Starbucks and maybe that was our first problem. But I like Starbucks. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not just, just going to automatically put on a mask. And so we were told we needed to put on a mask. And I, that, so I have this. I can either be grumpy about it and fringing on, or I can just have a good attitude and love people and smile through a mask. I'm going to try to smile through my eyes. Or just do this. <laughs> you don't have to be grumpy. That's, you can have a good attitude. You can show grace. Look, I have opinions about the election. I, I, am, I am going to be working on a post-election message that is not dependent upon the results of the election. And I want you to know that. And I have thoughts and opinions about all that, and you ought to be involved, and you ought to be praying. Amen to that. But can I tell you, we have reason to rejoice and be hopeful no matter who's in office. And just because one candidate that you want is in office doesn't mean everything's just all right. Our country needs the Lord regardless of who's in the office. Hallelujah. You can walk with God in this wicked generation. Walking with God is a lifelong pursuit. Mm, I love seeing Brother Werner back there. And Brother Werner, he, he comes by and talks to me every now and then, and he won't mind me saying this. Brother Werner is not as young as he used to be. I, I love this about him. He came, he came to me one day and he said, man, I need to get baptized. Like, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't remember how old you are, Brother Werner. What's your age? 82. Like, what are you talking about? You need to get saved. Look, I just, I've been going through the motions my whole life. And I was at home and I asked Jesus to save me. And I need to get baptized. You know what doesn't happen at 82? That you outlive being able to know more about God. It's a lifelong pursuit. God lets you live to be 90. You need to be knowing and learning and loving more about him as long as he gives you life. Number four, walking with God is available to any believer. I'm almost done. Walking with God is available to any believer. There's not a caste system. <laughs> We're all one in Christ. Oh, this is good. It's not, well, I mean, obviously, those guys that are on the platform, they're, they're leaders and the guys that are trustees or when we have deacons, the guys that are dear, or the Sunday school, obviously, they can have a, no, 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 no. My children can have a walk with God. I love watching my little sons and daughters read the word of God and pray. And then when I ask them, how did God speak to you? It's amazing how God can talk to them through his word. You know, I love hearing young, hearing our children when they're taught a lesson like they were today from Brother Brian and Brother Andrew and the other men and women that were in there or when Brother Z's in there. I love hearing that. I love watching people take notes. And I'm just telling you, you can have a walk with God. Anybody can have it. 
It's not, well, I could walk with God if I was that, if I went to Bible college. Do you know that there's a whole lot of people that went to higher learning institutions of biblical education that are not living for God? That that's not somehow an indication that you're always going to serve God. Walking with God isn't about a college. It's not about an occupation. It's not about a profession. It's about a decision to know him. Last thing, walking with God will manifest itself in how you live your life. You have no right to say that your walk with God is where it should be when your life is in obvious contradiction to the way God says you should be living your life. Yeah, we have no right to say that. It's given, this has been many years ago, it's not anybody you would ever know. It's an individual that was heavily involved in ministry. Some tragic things happened. And he began to have an obvious. Now, look, I'm not talking about the things where there's kind of gray areas. Are you with me? I'm talking about there's obvious lines that God has drawn. And he's violating. This individual is violating those lines. And, this, and I just went to him in love. You're, this is a violation. And this was the statement. I'm praying about it. There are certain things you don't have to pray about. Because God has said them. And you cannot claim to walk with God if you are on purpose violating those lines. You say, well, what, what if I sin? Does that mean I'm, no, no, we're all going to mess up. Somebody please say amen to that. We're all going to mess up. I have to ask somebody in my house to forgive me on a weekly basis. They, probably I should be asking other people outside of my house to forgive me on a weekly basis, but I can't catch up with everybody that I've honked at and yelled at. I routinely have to ask people at church to forgive me for stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. That's a, asking people to forgive you is a part of walking with God. But it will manifest itself. It'll manifest itself in your spirit. It'll manifest itself in your purity. It'll manifest itself in your attitude. It'll manifest itself in your response to authority. Young people, it will be obvious that you're walking with God or that you are not walking with God. It's obvious. And you can, you can tell your parents, yeah, 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 I'm walking with God. But they know because they can see it being manifested. And what's true for our young people is true for us as well. Your, your spouse knows. And, it, and it'll be obvious the kind of church we're going to try to be, whether or not we're walking with God or we're just going through motion, in the way that we respond when God gives us a challenge or when we have opportunity to minister or to be stretched. Walking with God will manifest itself in how we live our lives. So here's the statement, one more time. The one thing that you can control in your life that will affect every other thing that matters to you is to walk with God. So evaluate these areas and see if there is room for improvement and how you might give greater priority to walk with him. He's real. Just as real as my wife is, just as real as you are, the greatest thing we can do for our children, for our nation, for our homes, for our church, is to walk with God. I have no control, ultimately. I have little control, ultimately, over how long I live. I have no control over how God chooses to take me out of this earth. But between those two things, there is this thing. I can walk with him. 
and I can humble myself and pursue him. So make that a priority in your life. Let's all stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Simple question. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands in response to God. Please respect the privacy of others. Don't, be lo- don't look around, but respect the privacy of others. Also be honest with God. In some way, there needs to be an improvement in my walk with God. I'm not, this doesn't mean that you're not walking with him at all. Just that there could be some improvement. And that specifically, God, had, during the message, God showed you or dealt with you about a specific area, brought an area to mind that you say, yeah, that, that really, my attitude about that, my pursuit of this, my effort in this, the excuses I make, I need to deal with that. In some way, God spoke to me about my walk with him, and I want that to improve. Would you raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I want it. I want it. And can I tell you tonight, for everyone that raised their hand and for those that didn't, God wants it with you. And so maybe tonight it's just come and spend some time at the altar. And if God gave you the courtesy of speaking to you, then you give God the courtesy of responding to him. So while Brother Nate sings, if God has spoken to your heart and you feel compelled to do so, you do business with him. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way while we do his good will. He abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt nor a fear, not a sign nor a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil he doth richly repay. Not a grief nor a loss, not a frown nor a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Well, Father, thank you for the time, and I thank you for the ability, for the opportunity to walk with you, God, that mortal men can have a relationship with the eternal creator, with the eternal savior. Such an, such an amazing thought. And I don't even comprehend it all. I just know that I can know you. And 
you will make yourself known to me. And God's more, not, not excluding it, but more than just saving us and giving us eternal life, God, but we can grow in knowing you. And as we grow in knowing you, God, that will help the way we live our lives. I think about the apostles and, and so many biblical authors, how they, they made this statement, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. They were saying, in essence, walk with him. So, Father, please help us to walk with you. You're good, God. And I, I love you. I want to love you better. And I pray that our, our ultimate goal would, in all that we do, it would be that we would live a life pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.